press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the Journalists of the Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Wednesday, January 18. More school children than ever before are wagging school following the pandemic. The problem is so bad that many parents have been forced to leave their jobs and a clinic that helps them work through the problem has a waiting list that's 500 families long. Professionals working at the clinic say lockdowns, mental health challenges and increased academic demands are all driving the spike in school refusal among the nation's students. A retired senior police officer has blasted Queensland's public service, saying its culture is toxic and broken. Ed Kinbacker headed up one of the state's leading policing units and says his concerns about the treatment of victim survivors of sexual assault living in regional areas fell on deaf ears for a decade. We'll have more on that later in the episode. Australian researchers have discovered a genetic marker that could help medical professionals identify people with type 1 and type 2 diabetes who are at risk of developing kidney disease. The complex molecular process clears a path for screening and early intervention for the condition, which is usually asymptomatic and a major cause of morbidity and even death when insulin levels are uncontrolled. That's first up. And just a quick note before we start. This episode contains mentions of rape and sexual assault. For a long time, Australians living with diabetes have had to wait for the damage to be done before their risk of developing kidney disease could be assessed. But now a breakthrough by Australian researchers could make that uncertainty a thing of the past. Natasha Robinson is The Australian's health editor and she joins me now. Natasha, tell me about this breakthrough from Monash University. Well, this is international research that was led by Monash University and their team of epigenetics experts. There is a very unfortunate link between diabetes and chronic kidney disease. So people with diabetes are at higher risk of chronic kidney disease, and that's usually associated with uncontrolled levels of glucose. But even people who do control their glucose levels well can be at higher risk of this very awful condition in which the kidney function just breaks down over time. So Because of this enormous risk, researchers all over the world for quite a long time have tried to establish what puts people at higher risk of developing kidney disease if they do have diabetes. And they've looked for a genetic biomarker, but they haven't found one. So what this team at Monash did was they thought, well, maybe it's actually what's going on in terms of the way the genes are functioning. So what they've discovered is that there's a difference in a process in the body, which is known as DNA methylation, in people who have type 1 diabetes. It's a biological process in which small molecules are added to the DNA molecule. And what that does is it sort of modifies the function of the gene and affects its gene expression. And It essentially regulates when the genes are switched on and off during development. But this link with the chronic kidney disease in diabetics is a world-first discovery. So with the DNA methylation, what's going on is it has a reduced function in people who are prone to kidney disease, according to this research. And you would be able to tell that that 
process is altered in this way by a simple blood test. So they're very excited about this discovery, which could mean that you would be able to, in the future, potentially screen people with diabetes for their risk of developing kidney disease and put in place a regime of measures in which that risk was reduced. So how is the risk of kidney disease currently assessed in people with diabetes and how could this test change that? Currently, for people with diabetes, there are tests done in the clinic that rely on assessing the kidney function itself and the level of damage to the kidney caused by diabetes. But of course, this can only take place once that damage has been done. So in the early stages of the disease, there's typically no symptoms and you can't actually detect that damage to the kidney. So that's why this research is so important in that it could actually detect the susceptibility before the kidney disease itself actually emerged or any damage was done to the kidney. And we know that it's generally a long, slow process to bring these types of tests to the general public. So when can we expect this test to be rolled out? This research is hot off the presses, literally, and is just being published today in the Journal of Clinical Investigation. It will be greeted with quite a lot of interest and excitement um, internationally by people in this field. A blood test in the actual clinic is probably quite a way off, but the idea that it may be possible in the future is certainly nevertheless very exciting. To that point, almost 1.5 million Australians are living with diabetes right now. What kind of impact could a test like this have on public health care in Australia? Diabetes is an enormous burden on the public health system in Australia and its incidence is just skyrocketing in quite an alarming way. The incidence of the disease has almost tripled in the past 20 years and that's a growth rate that's actually six times the rate of the growth of the population. So there's almost one and a half million Australians now affected with diabetes. Most of them have type 2 diabetes but the risks of complications are the same. So it's associated with over 10% of all deaths and some of those would be from chronic kidney disease. The very devastating thing about dialysis is that you can't be on dialysis forever. I interviewed a fellow with diabetes recently and he'd been on dialysis for a few years and said, it's sort of the end of the road for me. I can no longer do this anymore. And that's just a devastating prospect. So chronic kidney disease can be a fatal condition. And there, there are thousands of Australians who are sitting in dialysis clinics every day three days of the week for hours on end, having dialysis just to stay alive. So if we could reduce that awful situation for those people, certainly it would be life-saving for some of them and have a quite sizable impact on the burden to the health system. Natasha Robinson is The Australian's health editor. Stay with us. After the break, a former top cop comes for Queensland's public service. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. 
Another one been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for CrimeX Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime. Allegations of a toxic culture and broken communications inside Queensland's public service won't come as a shock to anyone who followed last year's inquiry into the state's troubled forensics lab. We found some very, very disturbing and troubling things that were happening in the DNA laboratory. The government is absolutely committed to reform the reform agenda to restore confidence in the justice system. And paramount of all of this is justice for the victims. But this time, the allegations are coming from a cop who served within its ranks for decades. Lydia Lynch is the Australian's Queensland political reporter and she joins me now. Lydia, who is Ed Kinbacker and what's he saying about his experience working for Queensland's public service? Ed Kinbacker is a really experienced detective up in North Queensland. He actually was in charge of the criminal investigation branch in Cairns for 17 years and he experienced serious frustrations with Queensland Health during his time as head of the criminal investigation branch up there. His main concern was around the access to forensic medical examinations for women and children up in North Queensland. So after somebody's raped or sexually assaulted, they have the option to go to a hospital where a forensic medical exam is done. Sometimes they're referred to as rape kits And they're really invasive procedures, but they're important because doctors and nurses will go and get forensic evidence off the victim, which can be really useful if they decide to go ahead with a complaint to the police. So what was happening up in Cairns and in other regional parts of Queensland for years is that victims would go to the hospital to get these exams, but there was nobody trained to do them. So what would happen is these people who were just traumatised would then be forced to sit in an emergency department for up to 24 hours. They're unable to take a shower. They can't change their clothes or brush their teeth because there was nobody trained to take the evidence. So Ed Kinbacker was pushing, he says, for 10 years to try to get Queensland Health to address this problem. He talks about, obviously, in the health system, doctors and nurses in emergency departments are there trying to save people's lives So this might, for some people, seem as like a secondary service, but it is a really crucial part of the justice system. And it's really important that it's victim-focused and victim-central. So he's quite scathing of the health department just for their lack of action on this for so many years. The health department says they are trying to hire more doctors and nurses and train them to be able to do this. So although his main concerns were with Queensland Health, He did say that there is a culture across the public service where staff are silenced and they're discouraged from giving frank and fearless advice. Ed Kinbacker is now retired, so why is he bringing this up now? I was speaking to him about problems with the rape kits in Queensland that are finally being addressed by the health department as a result of the DNA inquiry. We were talking about how the kits that are being used in Queensland are inferior to the ones that are being used in other states and they're finally starting to do something about that. And he just, I think, after 20 years in the system where you aren't allowed to speak out, you can't talk to their media about these things, I think it was just a level of frustration and something he wanted to get off his chest. 
We mentioned last year's Commission of Inquiry into Queensland's DNA Lab, where the very real consequences of this kind of toxic culture came to light. Is this just two parts of the same story? It really does come under one umbrella, and and he makes that point as well, saying that what happened during that DNA testing disaster in Queensland over the last decade was really a perfect example of why the culture needs to change. There were pretty senior police in Queensland that were raising very specific concerns with Queensland Health and their concerns were being ignored and overlooked, not just by the lab staff, but also ultimately executives in Queensland Health. And Ed Kinbacker also talks about when these issues were starting to come to light and questions were being put to the health minister and the police minister and other ministers, the premier, about problems in the lab. They didn't really know anything about it. And, you know, I always believe that you should be able to give full and frank advice, but what we're seeing here is someone, according to the report, who deliberately lied. And I won't cop that. I won't cop that from anyone. And Ed says the reason they don't know anything about it or the reason they didn't is because there's a system in Queensland that's really designed to protect senior bureaucrats and politicians from criticism. Lydia Lynch is the Australian's Queensland political reporter. You can read that story as well as all our journalism anytime at theaustralian.com.au. I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component of that. I I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts.